Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, oh gosh, February 13th, 2019. Today we are reading from the big book. We're on page 8, Bill's story. We're reading the second paragraph that starts with trembling. He left the hospital. I think I got that correct. Um, today's read is uh, the 12 steps. We're going to have Patty F., the 12 traditions. We're going to have Madeline and Madeline R. And for the readers for today will be Katie F. and Irene M. The Newcomer greeter this morning is going to be Jody E.Q., and the host for the second hour will be Sandy W. The share ID for yesterday, Tuesday, February 12th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 12,534. The 10 a.m. Meeting yesterday, February 12th, 12,536. One, two, five, three, six. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Now this is our purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Patty F. to read the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous for us. Hi, this is Patty F. in Massachusetts, a compulsive overeater. 12 Steps. 1. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. 2. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, 
as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you very much, Patty F. And now I'm going to ask Madeline R. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Madeline R., recovered in Pennsylvania. The 12 steps, I'm sorry, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA, or OA unity, excuse me. Two, for our group purpose, there is one, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I'll pass. Thank you, Aunt Madeline R. Now, this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose... Some somebody needs to um, unmute. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 8 in Bill's story. The, with the uh, paragraph that begins with trembling. He stepped from the hospital. And I'm going to ask, let me see, 
I'm going to. <laughs> it just I can see why some people have trouble getting from one page to the other. I'm going to ask Katie F. to start us off this morning. Hi, Katie. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Trembling, I stepped from the hospital, a broken man. Fear sobered me for a bit. Then came the insidious insanity of that first drink. And on Armistice Day, 1934, I was off again. Everyone became resigned to the certainty that I would have to be shut up somewhere or would stumble along to a miserable end. How dark it is before the dawn. In reality, that was the beginning of my last debauch. I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Setting my timer. Um, well, this is a very <laughs> rich uh, paragraph. Um, I want to. It's hard to pick what to talk about. Um, fear sobered me for a bit. Then came the insidious insanity of that first drink. Um, you know, that's that was the hardest part for me was that I impulsively, compulsively without thinking, picked up that first bite before I thought it through, you know, before I, I um, remembered what it was like the day before, you know, that before I, I just could control myself. And, you know, people now think I have so much self-control. Oh, you're so, you have so much willpower. Oh, you're so disciplined. And, you know, it's like if they only knew that, you know, for years and decades, I could not stop my hand from going to my mouth to save my soul and you know but but that day did come when I was catapulted into what um you know as Bill calls it the fourth dimension of existence and to know this happiness peace and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes that's what comes before my mind now when I would think oh you know Valentine's Day is coming look at all that food um, you know, this is sort of the beginning or the continuation of beginning for the new year of, you know, months and months of food being around through Easter and then we get a break, you know. But the thing is, is that I don't think about food in the same way that I did when I was in my disease. When I was in my disease, I couldn't think I, I was in a fog all the time from the food and from my life. I just couldn't get from under the misery of the existence um, that came for me when I binged all the time. And, you know, this life that I have today, um, while it isn't perfect and it isn't easy, it is a thousand times better than what it was like to be in that foggy, um, self-loathing, angry, fearful wanting to jump off place that I lived in for so long. And, you know, if you're new on the line this morning and you just think, I can't possibly get out from under that, you know, I've got news that you can, that putting the food down is, you know, the beginning, finding a food plan, getting a food plan from a qualified person and being held accountable through this program and working the steps. You know, it's not just a diet and calories club. We're not just here to lose weight. We are here to change our lives, and I would never want to go back, and I'm so grateful, and with that, I'll pass.
Thank you very much, KDF. Okay, so now I'm going to listen best I can to whoever would like to share, and we're going to ask anyone who has not shared in the last day or two um, to give me your names if you'd like to share. So who would Nancy that be? Craig F. Vinny M. Vinny T. Terry C. Keisha L. Whose last initial was C? Terry C. Terry? Yes, thank you. And did I hear Anita L? You heard Keisha L. Keisha L. Vicky P. And Vicky. Okay, I'm going to stop there now, and we'll have another chance in, after these people share. So I'm going to um, start with uh, Nancy P. Hi, thanks for letting me share. Yeah, I um, I just remember the last, where I was when I finally put the food down, when I finally asked for help. And, you know, how many times have I called my sponsor or my friends and said, you know, I love that, you know, with and without, with and without a solemn oath. I begged God, you know, with and without tears, please help me. Please take this away from me. But really all that I ever wanted was to eat and be thin at the same time. I didn't want to do any work. And when I contemplated the work, it was exhausting and it just sent me right back to the couch. But when I, you know, when I really got to the, to the, last house on the block, as they say, and I just didn't know what to do. You know, I see now when I look back on, you know, on my, on my entire life, even though I had ample opportunity to get this, um, to get this message and have always been surrounded by people that only wanted to help me, that were always available and only ever wanted to help me. I was unable to take what was offered. Um, and when I really didn't have any place else to go, I felt like, you know, I felt like an exhausted migratory bird, you know, like just, um, you know, found a place to rest. And I said, okay, please help me. And I got, and I got help. Hello? Hey, I'm okay, sorry, but so that's okay. <laughs> I like metal. So, um, so anyways, I got, you know, I finally got help. And when I got help, you know, as the speaker was saying, my life is far, far, far from perfect. I mean, I feel like all I get is challenges. That's all. I mean, that's what I feel like. But you know what? I mean, I used to glibly say, whatever doesn't kill me will make me stronger. And today I'm living that. I know that, you know, all the things that are, quote, going wrong in my life, have somehow knit themselves together into um, something that has gone massively right. Um, you know, I do have big problems. I do have big challenges. But I wouldn't trade my, my life for anything. Even if these problems were to be suddenly removed, I wouldn't trade my life um, as, as it is now. Because what I'm learning is that I, I'm really learning, like living it, you know, met, um, metabolizing that I'm not eating, and I every day I'm grateful for that, and um, and I'm learning that no matter what happens, I don't have to eat. And before, in my old life, no matter what happened, I had to eat. And it's just, I mean, 
you know, I've been in this program almost 50 years and, and for the first time I'm living this, this dream, you know, the promises. It works. It really does. So um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy P. And next we have Irini M. Thank you, Penny. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always given credit where credit is due. So what a transformation between the previous paragraph and this paragraph. You know, when I didn't know about the solution, I too was living in the problem. I was spiritually asleep. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I would repeat the same harmful behaviors of stuffing my emotions with food and then wanting to throw up to relieve myself, and I couldn't. I was feeling physically sick to my stomach and emotionally depressed and ashamed of my behavior with food. I had my pity parties and I invited everyone around me to join me in my misery. And this would happen over and over and over again. And then I even expected different results. Until one very blessed day, someone showed me the truth and the truth always sets me free. But only if I had willingness to listen and do as I was guided to do. I had learned about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. Once I learned it, I still went back into the food, knowing about the twofold disease, because I couldn't remember the pain and suffering that I caused myself and others. And because just having the knowledge availed me nothing, I had to do something with the information that was given to me. My problem was my thinking and how I was talking to myself. I was depressed and I had self-pity. I was miserable and disconnected. There was no way out for me until I asked for help. And once I was given the 12 steps, that would lead me to a connection of a power that would save me from me. It helped me become honest, to pocket my ego, and then turn to God and my fellows for guidance. I felt I was placed in a place of neutrality. By the grace of God, I had a spiritual awakening. God transformed my life from darkness to light, and today I know happiness, joy, and peace, and I am useful to others. See, my story is Bill's story and is your story. My metamorphosis, my transformation from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body to hope to a wholesome state of being, a healthy, balanced mind, body, and soul. But I first had to be willing to surrender to God. It was only then that God did for me what I could never do for myself. Today, what an amazing journey that I am on. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you very much, Irene M. And now we're going to have Vinnie T. Am I being heard? Yes. Okay, this is Vinnie T., uh, gratefully recovered in North Carolina. Um, quick one today. Um, catapulted into the fourth dimension of existence. Uh, I wrote down, you know, it really is a new life, full and useful. And then I thought, wow, full and useful. Um, you know, that that is so relevant to, to us, you know. And in in my new life now, I have enough. I, I My life is 
useful and I enjoy being useful and I've stopped always, you know, looking for more, you know, um, I, I, I feel validated. I feel like a whole person and, um, I, I, I'm, I'm beyond grateful and thank you. I pass. Oh, thank you very much, Penny T. And now Terry C. Hello. Good morning. This is Terry C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. And I feel very strongly about this page. I think that this page is, to me, uh, one of the most credible reasons that, um, you know, Bill's story is, is just, it just resonates with me always and was, you know, put in the beginning of the book in addition to being our founder. He's just so eloquent in describing the hopelessness that I know I felt. And um, when I read this paragraph, I think of just on this whole page, I mean, he keeps talking about the dark, and he used that phrase a lot, darkness and dark. And uh, I know, I know that darkness. I know that darkness so well, that that place of, you know, self-loathing where you are worthy of nothing because the behavior and the choices that you're making are beyond your control. And what I really, I think what, what really strikes me about this morning's reading is how it follows yesterday's. And as one of the speakers... Would it be your shadow before, by any chance? Because I imagine um, that's fucking massive. <laughs> so um, what, I, what I really appreciate is the fact that that despair and that loneliness doesn't stop me. That despair and that loneliness that... You know, step one in the recognition of the powerlessness doesn't mean I'm going to gain power, doesn't mean I'm going to be okay because I realize it. It just means I realize that this is a hopeless disease it's, it's, and I'm powerless over it without the power that, you know, spoiler alert at the end talks about being catapulted into the fourth dimension. But just, um, I guess just the thing that just keeps striking me is that step one as people say on the line, doesn't tell us I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to eat. It tells us we are going to eat, we are going to eat. And um, just can't wait for things to come. And again, with the with the word dark, um, my favorite phrase that Bill uses to describe our higher power is the father of light. And that is always the hope of this chapter. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Terry C. And the next to share, we're going to have Tisha L., Good morning. This is Keisha with a K. Keisha, um, thank you for that. Thank you. Keisha L., recovering in Long Island, New York. Very grateful to be here. Tomorrow, God willing, I will have 60 days of uh, visionary type of abstinence. I've been in and out of these rooms, this program, for over 30 years. This time around, I had to do something different because, like this paragraph said, fear sobered me for a bit, but it didn't sober me completely. How dark it is before the dawn. One of the assignments that my new sponsor gave me that I'm so grateful for, and I know that she's listening right now, she gave me a written assignment to write about my last binge as best I could, and I feel compelled to share that writing. It was just a few months ago. I remember that my last binge made my stomach feel like lead. My stomach, as small as it is now, 
because I've had sleeve surgery, can only hold but so much, but I still ate until it hurt. I ate food that I wasn't even sure was fully cooked. It was chicken that I ate because it was free. I was on a business trip in a hotel, one of my favorite binge spots. There was a pinkness near the bone that told me it wasn't fully done, and I was ashamed of myself for eating it. But because it was free, I told myself, I deserve that. If I was eating that, then I really deserved it. I drank the cheap wine because that was free. Another time, I remember drinking a Moscow mule, then taking another one up to my room. My stomach was on fire. I also had severe cramps. I didn't want to feel my guilt and my sadness and my loneliness. I told myself I deserved this. So I kept drinking and I kept eating. I swore I would never do this to myself again, but I did because I deserved it. I remember the sweating in bed, telling myself it was because of my hormones, not being able to sleep for more than an hour and a half at a time. My mind was racing about everything and nothing, not being able to rest because my stomach was bloated. My mind was racing. My self-esteem shot sweating and cold at the same time, the dank smell of the dried water and the hotel carpet, feeling afraid but helpless to change it. I have another two pages, but I'm going to stop there to leave some time on the clock. But if anyone can remember this, if any newcomer that's listening and you're thinking about this is what I feel, there's hope in this program. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you very much, Keisha. And then Vicky, Vicky, would you tell me the initial of your last name, please? Vicky? Oh, perhaps. Am I being heard? Did you ask for Keisha's last initial? No, no, Vicky. Got it. I got Keisha L, and I'm looking for Vicky, and I may not have. Is Vicky there? Okay, let's go on to to uh, a new group of people, and again, we're looking. Who else would like to share, please? Jennifer Roxanne. W. Janet E. Amy G. Hey, hold on now. After Holland, between Holland and Russ, there was someone. Melissa C. Melissa C. Then I have Russ. I have Amy G. Linda D. from Connecticut. Linda D. Greg S. And Sandy. That's all we're going to take right now. All right, Sandy, when you speak, please give me your initial also. We're going to start with Harlan G. Thanks, Penny. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Let's take a look at page 7 for just a second here. In the middle of the page, it says when Bill is leaving the hospital, it says, understanding myself now, I fared forth in high hope. 
In other words, he's coming out of the hospital and he's fired up. He has met with Silkworth. Silkworth and the doctors at the town's hospital have restored him to a modicum of health and a modicum of utilitarianism. He's working. He's he's functioning. He's he's happy. He understands himself now. He's faring forth in high hope. Now, let's take a look at this paragraph on page 8 that we read this morning. Trembling, I step from the hospital, a broken man. Why is he a broken man? Because he has been informed by that same doctor that he is an alcoholic. There is no solution known to these men at this time. It is coming, and it's going to come at the, at the bottom of page 8. But he doesn't know it yet. What's the message here? The message here is don't quit five minutes before the miracle. Now let's take a look at what happens. November 11th, 1934, he's going golfing. He meets a man that's going to the shooting range. They're on a bus to go out to the golf range, the shooting range, and the bus breaks down. He's been released from the hospital several weeks before, and he is now in a bar And this man is sitting with Bill Wilson, and Bill is telling him about all the things that happened to him as the result of drinking. And the guy, the bartender, comes over and says, hey, you guys serve in World War I? They says, yes. He says, hey, drinks around the house. Bill doesn't even think. He drinks the drink down and triggers the allergy, and he was off again. He would have to be shut up somewhere or would stumble along to a miserable end. How dark it is before the dawn. Now let's take a look at the metaphor here. He was soon to be catapulted. What a metaphor. Thrown with great force into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. There's the dimension of the width, the height, and the <clears throat> depth, height, and width. The fourth dimension is the dimension of the spiritual Now look at the promise here. He hasn't even experienced it yet. He's about to be happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. This is the greatest way of life in the world, and it comes from the deepest, darkest pain that a human being can feel. The the pain of being defeated by this disease, broken down and dragged through pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. And in, in, in the end of that, we get each other and we get God. God brought me to OA. OA brought me to God. This is the greatest way of life in the world. Don't quit five minutes before the miracle And we're going to get to the bottom of page 8 when the solution is going to come in here. Same bad time, same bad channel tomorrow. Thanks. Pass. Thank you, Holland G. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Penny. Thank you so much for your service this morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um... Yeah, so, you know, like I, I can certainly relate to, to Bill here. He had some knowledge um, about what he had, and he had fear. And I've had <clears throat> both of those things. And, um, you know, and my experience um, with fear was, yeah, it, it, it sobered me up for a bit. You know, it, it scared me just a little. But fear is not um, enough. You know, and um, I love, like, 
this really is the prerequisite for um, being catapulted. And I love that visual of the catapult because, um, you know, before you're released into that fourth dimension, before that object goes flying, um, it's being pulled back. There's a force, you know, if you think about it, it's, it's being pulled back. And my, you know, my small, small mind, my human mind, only focuses in on that I'm being pulled back. I can never seem to realize that that's what needs to happen before I'm catapulted, before I'm, you know, thrown forward. And so, yeah, my my experience was the doctor scared me. The doctor gave me a good talking to, and it sobered me up for a bit. Um, and then that day came again where I ate. And um, and just like Bill, I have no ability to moderate once I ingest food. And for me, it's not just those alcoholic foods. It's any alcoholic food behavior. Once I eat, once I make spontaneous decisions about food, um, once I eat in a way that, like, well, I feel like having this, um, something happens to me. It, it triggers a response in me. And I was off. You know, and and that was the requirement for me. I needed another horrible experience with food. I needed like, you know, one more painful trip um, with the food, and that was what was required for me to finally say, I've had it. You know, and this fourth dimension of existence, um, this is amazing. It really is, and. And so every time now I am feeling um, that I'm being pulled back, that things are not going my way, that I'm having some pain, this is like proof to me that I can only see what's bad and that the bad spot is always the prerequisite for growth and for moving forward. And uh, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And now Russ M., your turn. Good morning. Russ, I'm recovered compulsive overeater outside of Philly. You know what the cool thing is with these guys that uh, are friends that are interrupting the meeting? Is that they're hearing a message. We're getting to them. So stay on the line, guys. It's going to be great for you. Just like God, that fourth dimension, you're going to hit it too. But, you know, for years, for years, I tried to figure out why I, I was eating and why I was crazy. And yeah, it was life and pressure and all that. But truth be told, is that I felt useless, that I wasn't worth anything. Why, I don't know. Why, I don't know. That was that was on me as long as the food has been on me. And, you know, like I said before, one of the greatest gifts God has blessed me with is, becoming a, is being a compulsive overeater. Because it broke me. It broke me. It brought me to my knees to the point where I had to depend on God for everything. It took me out of it. And now I realize that my usefulness is not for me. It's for others. You know, I've been saved. That quicksand thing, you know, we're fighting and fist fighting and we're, we're dying. You know, it's just funny that you have to give up to get free. You have to give up to get free. And, uh, you know, that fourth dimension is every day, man. I never thought it could be like this, ever. 
and it ain't perfect. You know, I don't I don't have the big bank account or the greatest relationships with everybody, but I'm I'm my my number one goal in life is to depend on God, you know, and everything else will fall fall in place, and it's uh it's cool to be able to do that without fear, and 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 to be able to give something to someone else. And help others and develop relationships. You know, uh, I had to. I had settlement on my office yesterday. I lost my. I lost my business. The place sat for five years, and it was like a part of my heart was taken out of me. But you know what? It's good. I could do it. I would never be able to do these things without God and this program. You know, it's about time I grew up so all, all, all I'm saying is is that this fourth dimension is is good for our soul and our spirit maybe not necessarily for what we want out of life but God always our father always take care of us you have a beautiful day love you guys thank you Sam. and now Linda D your turn Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. I'm laughing here because everybody said everything I wanted to say. Um, Today's my birthday, and I was born 75 years ago at 2 minutes of 2. And don't you know I woke up this morning at 2 minutes of 2? That's a miracle because I'm abstinent, and I have 5 years and a few months, and I was as crazy as a loon when I walked in here, and I was an atheist. So the last word I ever wanted to hear was God, ever. And I was very polite about that, but I was sure you were wrong and I was right. And thank God you were right. I am so grateful not to be hanging from a timber in my cellar. And that's what I was thinking about. If I knew how to do it, I would have done it. So I'm a happy person today, very, very happy no matter what problems I have. I have a core inside where God is in charge, and God is within. You'll learn that in the program, and it's provable. Your life proves it. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful way of life. Thank you, Harlan, for saying it so well. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. And now, Craig F. Hi, good morning. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, I I like reading this part of the book, this description of being in the insanity. And part of the reason I, I like reading it is it reminds me of uh, it reminds me of being there, of being in the in this place where you don't even know what the problem is, let alone what the solution is. You know, um, I, I didn't know uh, what the problem was. I, I didn't know. Uh, I just thought it was some sort of weird insanity, you know. And I, I remember going to the doctor, and I told this story before, but going to the doctor and I was in my late 30s. It was the first time I tipped the scale at over 400 pounds, and this little doctor said, um, you know, that, that I would be dead in five years if I didn't do something and that I would be, that I would drown in my own juices and which was just a horrible line. And I remember thinking that was it. That's what I needed to hear. You know, I, I went forth with great confidence that I was going to 
by God, do it this time. And I clenched my fist and gritted my teeth and I left there and I, it was lunchtime and I passed one fast food restaurant and passed the second one. And I pulled in the third one, ordered two hamburgers and said, I'll start tomorrow. And, you know, I can look back on that now, you know, from this side of the ditch and I can look back on that now and say, what was going on there? And what was going on there was I was afraid. You see, I didn't even understand that part of the problem was fear, fear, resentment. Those things, the, that buildup of human emotion that I carried was part of the reason I, I ate. And then the shame over eating would cause me to eat. You know, the shame over being overweight would cause me to eat. You know, how insane is that? But I didn't understand the problem. You know, and it's awful easy to be in that problem. It, it, it's normal, natural to be in that problem and to not be able to understand the problem let alone to be able to understand the solution, you know. Bill may know, it may be beginning to know that he has an allergy coupled with an obsession, but to be able to see that while you're still in the ditch is difficult, you know. But somebody can take me by the hand and say, follow this path, follow this way, and, and come to learn about our way of life. And when I put my hand in, in that other person's and I and I let them lead me uh, you know somebody in whom the problem has been solved once you get to the other side of the ditch you can see back and say oh that was that's where I was that's the path that was the insanity and 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 here's the insanity and that doesn't mean I can't go back to the back to the ditch and and get mired back down again but it does mean that uh, you know that it's it's just always clearer from here, you know. And, and so when somebody's struggling, I have to remember when I that that they don't understand that struggling's not the answer. You know, they haven't found out yet that surrender is the answer. And I just have to hold my hand out and say, "Come on with me. We'll go this way." And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig F. Sandy, your turn, Sandy. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville. I've had long-term abstinence by the grace of God due to a spiritual experience. And for me, the issue has been, I'd say since I've been abstinent, is what's really breaking me is the self-hate and the fear. This fear that just has a life of its own, often unrelated to anything else. And, uh, you know, I really relate. Like yesterday, I had like one of the worst moments in terms of the fear and the self-hate. And um, I love what someone said about the catapult. You know, sometimes I'm being pulled back into that to be propelled forward. Because I know I am working this program the very best that I can. And, um, you know, it's up to me to just, do my favorite motto is don't give up five minutes before the miracle to just really work step 10, 11, and 12, because that's what's going to really ensure my happiness to really um, admit where I'm wrong, really seek God's uh, guidance and power, and finally to pass it on to others, however imperfectly. And I know at this moment, this very moment, I feel better than I've ever felt in my life, which is not, does not mean in five minutes from now I could be hating myself and fearful, 
But the wonderful thing is I can use all that negativity to propel me forward, which was something I could never do when I was eating and throwing up all day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. Yes. And now we can take three more people who would like to share before we have to end. Anita J. Anita. Who was after Anita? Sue M. Cynthia C. Hold on. I have Anita J., Sue M., and Suzanne. Is that correct? Cynthia C. Cynthia C. Cynthia. Okay. We're going to try that, okay? Okay. Thank you. Uh, Anita J., you're up. Okay, Penny C. Thank you so much uh, for your service and everyone else who serves. Um, I'm Anita J., recovered out here in Massachusetts. Today's reading and yesterday's reading, I was on like, you remember Groundhog Day? He was reliving Groundhog Day, that guy waking up every day doing the same thing. I was living Groundhog Day for 36 years until finally, what was the difference that I finally left, you know, felt broken and willing to throw everything I've got at God. Take it. Take it all. I never knew. I I used to sound so eloquent, just like that paragraph, that um, yesterday's paragraph. Didn't you think, if you didn't know the story, wouldn't you think he's got it now? By God, he's got it. But we know the story, and we read today's paragraph. And this isn't a one-time thing with Bill. Two more years. I wish it was only two more years for me, but it wasn't. Somewhere along all my relapses, I remember the word vicious coming up. I began to eat. The only way to describe it was using the word vicious. I attacked that food like I was a mad dog. Just piece of meat in my, you know, you know what I mean. And, um, you know, one of my foods that I have to stay away from are bones. I mean, this is what used to be so wrong with having you give me your food plan, what you can eat and what you can't eat. Nobody ever said don't eat bones. And, um, but it creates in me that animalistic, or I don't know why, I'm not going to analyze that, but the piece, point is there are things, when we talk about entire abstinence, it isn't just sugar and flour. Let's get honest, Anita, you've got to see all these things, and that's what's happened. It's been a miracle that I have over five years of abstinence, and I had, I had to go 36 years to get it. But you know what? Doesn't matter. I am such a grateful human being. Um, it's hard to say. All the wonderful people I have met, we are an unlikely bunch. I remember walking around LA with, there we all were, an unlikely bunch. 
And I love this unlikely bunch because inside we're all the same. And we know the secret. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Anita J. Sue M. Sue, are you there? Okay, let's go on to Suzanne C. Can you hear me? Who is this, please? This is Sue. Sue M. in Cincinnati. Okay, yes, I can now. Thank you. Okay. Um, Yeah, I was moved by the line, um, trembling and broken. He left the hospital. And like uh, someone else said, you can leave the hospital fired up. And I just, last night, my um, meeting is in a hospital. And so when I left, I was fired up. I was trembling, but not out of necessarily brokenness, but out of gratefulness. Because on my on the way over there, um, I noticed, oh, I had missed four calls. And it happened that those four calls were from visionaries because I had just made myself known on the uh, line yesterday. And there were all these people calling and doing outreach calls. And I'm like, wow, these people are really working, they're really walking their walk and talking their talk. So I say thank you to all those folks. And um, it just reminds me that you can be trembling in hope as well as trembling in brokenness. And and they're both part of me. So anyway, that fourth dimension for me is about letting myself be vulnerable and open to those relationships, you know, with God, self, others. And that's the beauty of the program to me is that um, we're all in it together. So thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Sue M. One more time, is there a Suzanne C? I think that might have been Cynthia C, which is me. Cynthia C, yes, I bet it was. Go ahead. Thank you so much for your service today and and always. Um, This is Cynthia C, compulsive overeater and food addict, and I needed to claim my seat and express my gratitude today that, um, you know, I don't, I don't live, I don't live in that place of constant misery anymore. Um, You know, my whole life, I was ruled by the food or ruled by my feelings or ruled by this or one addiction after another. And, um, and I had three and a half years of recovery and another food oriented program, which brought so many promises. To, you know, brought promises true in my life. And, you know, like the day after my marriage, I somehow just didn't think I needed any of you guys anymore. And, you know, went off on my own and within a few months gained like 60 pounds and kept that, you know, and stayed in the food for 20 years and just had one reason after another, one reason after another why the 12 steps were not my answer. And it wasn't until I felt by God when I was so desperate and trembling and miserable and I had my alcoholic food hidden everywhere just like Bill did that you know I just was desperate and I and I surrendered and I just prayed just I couldn't I couldn't live like that anymore and um, you know and I'm so grateful that I happened upon a vision for you and of course it wasn't happening upon them it was god inspired my higher power inspired and i and today i have to say just 
you know, I was talking to a lot of people struggling yesterday, and it's not like there's anything that I do in program that's perfect. There's, there's not one thing that I do that's perfect except that I don't eat sugar, wheat, and flour, um, you know, and, and nothing else is, is perfect. I do the best that I can do each day. Um, but, you know, I was thinking, like, how, what does it mean to surrender? Like, if you don't get it, what does it mean? And I think for me it felt like, Breathing, breathing out. I found a meditation app called Headspace that sort of helped me with this, but but breathing out and 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 letting go and like really those like when you take a big breath in and then you let it out and I imagine myself leaning back into my higher power's hand and that to me and just knowing like just letting go and you know maybe that's more the third step than the first step but that first step of just knowing that i could no longer manage this like i i couldn't do it anymore like i could i was so sick and tired of, of being sick and tired and you know and in program you know program definitely brought me to my higher power and it brought me more into sort of my religion which has been really helpful for me but you know what i've learned in program this time around is really my goal my goal is not the weight loss. My goal is not, <clears throat> I don't know, the things. My goal was having a, a connection with my higher power and that, and that wounded place that I always felt, that bloody wounded place that I always felt in my chest, I realized was that that hole was made by my higher power. The hole was made by God, for God to reside in. And that's where my soul is. Time. No, and, thanks. And in program, I have learned to clear away the debris so that my soul can connect with my higher power and I can breathe out and I guess let him take control. So with that, sorry for going over time. Thank you all. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Cynthia. And um, because we had some people that, that uh, didn't take the whole three minutes, one more person with two minutes shared. Do we have someone who wants to do two minutes? Uh, this is Janice, PM. Janice. Yes, good morning. Yeah. Good morning to you, my dear. Uh, my name is, please tie me. My name is Janice PM, and I'm a grateful compulsive overeater. I'm just going to look at the, uh, uh, the, the writing of Bill now, where he's at, where he's at. He has come to the conclusion that he is overpowered by the alcohol. I love that sentence before. Alcohol was the master, and I don't like control. I don't like anybody control over me. I don't like authority, but boy, was my food controlling me. I wasn't, I was trying to control my meals and trying to control people and trying to control situations, but I could not. And that's what I, that's the conclusion that I had to come to. He said that alcohol was his master. Imagine, a master. You have to serve a master. And that's what I was doing. And that's what, you know, then I got afraid. And, of course, Bill didn't have AA to come to or OA to come to. But, you know, now I have another master, a master of a higher power, not of disease. And with that, just for today, and with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you very much, uh, Janice PM. And thank you, everyone who shared. And I just have to say, with every share, I just kept thinking to myself, we are so blessed, those of us 
who have found this program, and it truly is um, it's a renaissance in my life. So please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today's meeting is 12,539-12539. And now I'm going to ask, oh, geez, <laughs> I'm going to ask uh, Jody, oh, excuse me, Irini, Irini M. Um, not too well this morning, sorry. Irini M. is going to read page 164 for us. Good morning and thank you and with great honor and a privilege. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your, house, if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past, Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until 